Baptist started preaching. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you Jewish people know what that means. You have had the Hebrew Scriptures read to you week after week after week after week in the synagogue. And you know the coming of the kingdom, first step of the coming of the kingdom is a great cleansing of the earth, of Israel, of the nations. A great cleansing. And you want to be on the right side of that cleansing operation. Do you not, brothers and sisters of Israel? Repent. Change your outlook. Bear your heart before God so He will see and what you are admitting to and agree you are forgiven. Forgiveness is found only from the kind God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we know from John's gospel, two fellows that had already become disciples of John the Baptist were Andrew and John. John, the son of Zebedee. The younger brothers of James, the son of Zebedee, and Peter, Cephas. And, of course, Jesus gives him the name Peter. Simon was his name originally. Jesus changed his name. Has Jesus changed your name yet? We heard testimonies. Now, nobody said, and Jesus changed my name. But what did he do? He changed your out. He's changing your identity. And what, did, what happened when Peter approached Jesus for the first time? Peter doesn't even, he's never met Jesus he comes to Jesus, but Jesus knows him. And he says, your, your name has been Simon. It's going to be Cephas, which is Aramaic. The Greek term is Petras, Peter. You're going to become a solid rock. You're going to become a stone. You're going to become something different than you have been. And so it became Peter, Andrew, brothers, James, John, brothers, and they left behind their fishing business. Everything was left behind. Their life plan was shelved in favor of what Jesus was calling them to do. That's standard operating procedure in, what, in becoming a disciple of Jesus. Now, you may continue in the same occupation, but not in the same way. It's going to be a different path than you otherwise would have walked. And so we have this fellow Peter whose walk got changed. And he went from being a fisherman to an apostle, one of the twelve, and specifically the apostle to the Jews, the Jewish people. Now, he did minister to Gentiles as well. And in fact, this letter is addressed to uh, the saints who were in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He did travel the Roman world. But the initial focus, the principal focus of his ministry, though it was Mediterranean worldwide, it was he would always go to the, speak to the Jews first. And so here he is. He is a an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he's speaking to these people in what would be modern-day Turkey, 
and he's been inciting them. In chapter 1, the principal incitement has been become people of the Word. Become people of the Word. Repentance means change your outlook. That's literally is what it means. Say this. I'm going to turn you all into the Greek scholars. Metanoia. Metanoia. Say it again. Metanoia means change. Metanoia. Change your mind. Change your mind. Change your outlook. Change your outlook. Well, that's not a one-time thing. That's a daily. Repentance is the one-word definition of the Christian life. Every day we are repairing our walk. Every day. Repent, repent, repent is a, an authentic thing to seek. Authentic repentance. And Peter has been saying, be people of the word, be people of the word, be people of the word. Why? Because that is God's tool in your life. It is the medication that changes us is God's word. It salves our wounds, but it also supplies us with the energy, the outlook, the understanding, and the energy that enables us to be that person we were called to be. So be people, incessant people of the word, because what Satan will try to do is distract you. Now, he comes quietly on soft little feet, and you don't even typically know he's the one that's, oh, okay, you've read this book enough today. Oh, let's focus on this. Let's focus on that. He doesn't typically speak with a voice we can understand, although let me give you a, I just got a message uh, from my daughter a couple of days ago. Her stepson, who is a freshman in college, authentic believer. But he told our daughter and her husband, Satan, he knows who it is. Satan has been telling me God isn't real. Well, if it's Satan talking to you and you know it, that should be absolute proof of the opposite, shouldn't it? The one who desires the destruction of your soul? Uh, don't listen to him. But we, how do we hear that? How do we know how to distinguish the voices? How to, be people of the word, be people of the word, be people of the word. And he says, at the close of chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, Through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit's power, in sincere love of the brethren, so you're now doing something you never would have thought of doing, and that's actually loving other people in an authentic way. Love one another fervently with a pure heart, with pure motives. Not with some hidden motive, but with pure motives. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of the man of man is as the flower of the grass all these mansions and castles and so forth you can roam the world and go on your sightseeing trips and see will become rubble will become rubble the glory of the man 
of man is as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so that individual who has made God's word the core reality, their point of gravity in their own life, their center of gravity in their own life, is the person who will stand before Jesus and say, thank you, Lord, that you delivered me from all that nonsense that the world of flesh and the devil said was the permanent stuff that was going to make my life worthwhile. And, hmm, where did that stuff go? Gone. Only what's done, only one life will soon be passed, is an old phrase. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit. He's speaking to congregations in these provinces. Therefore, laying aside all malice. Is it possible for malice to find its way into a congregation? Yes, it is. Be alert to it. All deceit. Is it possible for deceit? People who are, appear to be one thing, they're actually another, which is another word of saying the next word, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy means false face. I don't know about you younger, but some of us older people remember on the TV in the old days, uh, they had these things with the mask. Did you know that in the Middle Ages and so forth, when they were putting on plays, the actors all wore masks, every one of them. And it was a false, it wasn't the real face you're looking at while they're up there playing roles. Romeo and Juliet. No, 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 no. You're, they're wearing masks. Hypocrisy, it means false face. What you're looking at isn't the real. Don't be people like that. Be people without masks who people can say, that person is authentic. That's the real person, and that's the kind of person I would like to be. Are they perfect? No, but their feet are on the right path. I want to get my feet on the path that their feet are on. Lay aside malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, wanting other people's stuff or other people's experience. No, 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 no. No. And all evil speaking, set that aside. Don't stab people in the back with your words spoken to other people about them. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, if indeed you are authentic in your relationship with God. Have you tasted? Go back. It's not a bad question to ask. I don't care who you are. It's a good question. Am I authentically in the Lord? Okay, here's the gospel. Have I authentically? Yes. Yes. Beautiful illustration of the very, 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 very famous man, the founder of Methodism, John Wesley was an ordained Anglican minister, graduate of Oxford University. He went to Georgia, the colony of Georgia, early 1700s, as a missionary. 
He was such a pain in the side of the governor of Georgia. He got kicked out, and he is on a, a ship going back to Great Britain, and he is in the midst of a storm. They hit this. They got raptured by this horrible storm at sea. He is in the hold, quaking. He is so scared. He's about to die. And over here are a group of men, Czech Moravian brethren, the spiritual descendants of a man who preceded Martin Luther by 80 years who got the gospel right. They've got the gospel right. While he's over here, the Anglican, an ordained Anglican missionary, and they're over there praising God in the midst of the same storm that he's in. Lord, what do they know that I don't know? And when he got back to London, he went to a Czech Moravian Brethren meeting and simply listened as someone read Luther's introduction to the book of Romans, which is Luther's own description of, oh, this is what the gospel is. I was the mighty Roman Catholic monk who studied Romans and found out what the gospel really was. And as John Wesley listened to that, his heart was strangely warm and he abandoned his own righteousness for the righteousness of Jesus and for the forgiveness that could only be found in Jesus. His identity was no longer his Anglican garb or the pieces of paper he could wave at people saying who he was. No, his identity became Jesus. I'll take that. And he did. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, John Wesley, I think I better go back to square one and make sure I'm really <laughs> on the right path. He did, found out he wasn't, and got on it. Coming to him, Jesus, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. What's that going to mean to you as far as your life experience? This fellow Peter, that could have lived a fairly comfortable, uneventful life as a fisherman. I mean, they do have storms on the Sea of Galilee, but they've learned how to handle that stuff. He stepped forward as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, and he is in a place of real suffering. He's gone through it and through it and through it and through it, He's in it now as he writes this letter, and he knows it is before him. He knows. Jesus has already told him he's going to die a martyr's death. And what does he say? Coming to him, Jesus, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. If God says something is permanent, it is fixed, it is immovable. Guess what? It is permanent, it is fixed, it is immovable. And picture yourself standing on a seashore. And you are being, there are people all around you on the beach who are running at you. This is a hostile environment. There are enemies 
you're speaking the gospel, you're telling the truth about Jesus, and there are enemies of God out there, and they are coming at you, they are persecuting you, they're doing all, they're throwing rocks at you. Meanwhile, there's a storm rising on the sea. There's a storm rising on the sea, but you are standing on a rock. And the storm gets bigger and bigger, and suddenly that storm, a big great tidal wave. By the way, this is a encapsulated version of what it's going to look like just before Jesus comes and accompanied by his coming, his second coming. There's going to be an enormous tidal wave that's going to come over the entire human race and only those who are attached to the rock will survive. The rest will be swept away. And at that point, I think we could authentically ask the question of those who stood on the rock, are you glad you stood on the rock even though it meant opposition? Yes. <laughs> I'm still here and I'm attached to the rock. Jesus is a living stone. And so as you walk through your life and as you're voicing and walking with, in the presence of Jesus and speaking the gospel to people, will you experience opposition? Yes. There will be a lot of people that will welcome that message. What? why we're doing it but there will be opposition will it have been worth it absolutely worth it you're standing on the stone coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men but chosen by God and truly precious it has genuine value attached to it you also as living stones oh and when they attack you, you discover a strength dwelling within you you didn't know was there before. You become a living stone. You become a Jesus replica. You become a Jesus replica. That same Peter who would deny Jesus three times the night of Jesus' arrest and trial that led to his crucifixion will himself be crucified. Will himself be crucified. Could have probably gotten away, avoided that, if he simply said, okay, Nero, I will worship you. But he wasn't going to do it. And I just love the fact that we know this from church history, as he's being led to his crucifixion, he turns around to the Roman guard that's going to do the job and he says okay guys this is how we're going to do it let me tell you I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same way that my Lord is so we're going to do me upside down uh, 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 okay if you say so does that sound like Peter was fretting nobody looks forward to pain pain is pain is pain is pain but he also knew what was on the other side the glad embrace of his Savior coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. And as we work together, as we gather together, it's an even more powerful place to stand against the storms that Satan would cause to erupt. You being built up a spiritual house, you are a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You have, you are a holy priesthood. That word saint is the same word. It's 
hagias in the Greek language. It's either translated saint, sanctified, holy, holiness, depending on what sounds best in English. You have the right to walk into the presence of the holy God. You are a holy priest. Priests are the people that get to walk into God's own presence unhindered. That's God's job description for us. That's one of his descriptions for us. We're a holy, we are a holy priesthood. And we offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ as we walk in the power of Jesus. We're able, what does it say? We are a sweet aroma. Do you know what God's doing? If you're walking with his son, if you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, the picture is this. God himself, just as in, in the tabernacle and later the temple, you had the incense, altar of, of incense, or you had the sacrifice where the aroma of the sacrifice went up. And the picture of the altar of incense is God is hovering over that altar of incense going, <sighs> just like these guys that stand over their pits and go, oh, that brisket is so good. God hovers over us as we are walking with Christ, and he says, Cole, Julie, Bob, I just love that. What you just said to that person was a sweet offering. What you just prayed for that person, when you wash that person's feet, when you serve... God is hovering over your life, breathing it in. We are offering up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture. In Scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, chosen, precious, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. Have you noticed that we tend, almost 2,000 years later, to speak in favorable terms of Paul and Peter and Andrew and all these people who offered themselves? Nero? Pontius Pilate, Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest, who said, let his blood be on us and on our children. Not so much. And yet in their day, they were the men of renown and prominence. Today, <clears throat> oh, yeah, right, okay. And the people who were rejected are the ones whom we lift up. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes in him will not be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he, Jesus, is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The very one 
who stood at the feet of Jesus mocking him, and of whom Annas and Caiaphas, he saved others, himself he cannot save. They were mocking him. What happened to them? Not good. Who is this Jesus? Just a few days later, he is saying to the apostles, following his resurrection, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has been stepped into the God the Father has handed off to God the Son the day-to-day-to-day-to-day authority of running the kingdom, and nothing is withheld from him. I think I'll pick Jesus as the one whom I will follow and seek to please. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Oops, they sure made a mistake, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumbled, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. And here they are, fulfilling the role they chose for themselves. And it says they were appointed to it, but they avidly, willingly embraced that role with, in fact, joy. The Jewish leadership thought they had accomplished a great success, a great victory on the day they engineered Jesus' crucifixion. Did not work out well for them. They stumbled, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. He mentions priesthood again, this time royal priesthood. We are kingdom royalty, kings and queens. A royal, which is really interesting because, for example, in ancient Israel, you couldn't be king and priest. There was a fellow by the name of Uzziah who was the king of Judah, where the temple was. And Uzziah decided, I want to be a priest. I'm going to go and do what is reserved in the scripture for only the high priest. But I'm the king. I can do whatever I want. And he walked into the temple wearing the priestly regalia. He's going to go into the Holy of Holies. And he is confronted there by the high priest and the other priest. And he says, I'm going to do it because I want it. And all of a sudden, leprosy sprung out on his forehead. And it never left. He got isolated. Lepers couldn't be part of the society. You couldn't walk around on the streets if you had leprosy. You got put out. Well, he didn't get put out of the city, but he lived in his state in his own palace for the rest of his life because he wanted to be a royal priest and no. But we are. We are welcomed as sons and daughters of God at the head table. He embraces us and we have the right to enter into his presence unhindered. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the sacrifice, paid sin's penalty for us. He addressed the issue entirely. 
He removed every barrier, and all we had to do was hold out an empty hand and receive the benefit. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we heard these wonderful testimonies earlier of people who were walking in darkness who are now walking in light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Not just a recognizable band. No, and they're, yeah, they're a recognizable band. And they're God's. You're now a pe- the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained that most important word in all of our vocabulary. We've obtained, we have received from God's generous hand mercy, unrestrained forgiveness and cleansing. And as we come to the Lord's table, that's what we're celebrating. The fact that Jesus did for us what none of us could have accomplished. We were unable from the beginning. Sinners can't forgive sinners. Sinners can't solve their problem. Only the forgiving holy God could solve our problem, and he did, much to the shock and dismay of our enemy, Lucifer. I'm going to invite Bob and Darren to join me.